Hello, this is Mike, and welcome to another episode of Urban Legends and Mythology. I just cracked open a Rheingeist Truth. It's one of my favorite IPAs, and it's made right here in Ohio. And speaking of ghosts or spirits, since it's that time of year, I figured I would do an episode dedicated to a particular evil spirit. And to get into the mindset of what we are going to be discussing, I'm going to start off with a story. So this story takes place a long time ago around the Great Lakes, and a hunting party Party is out in the middle of the winter gathering food but suddenly during this hunting expedition this freak snowstorm comes in out of nowhere and they have no choice but to find refuge in a nearby cave and this snowstorm lasts for several days dumping tons of snow onto the ground but what was made worse was on their way to this cave they got hopelessly lost in the storm and were unable to find their way back to civilization so the long cold days started turning into long cold weeks and every once in a while somebody would set out to try to find their way back to civilization but they would always return to the cave and as the situation got worse hunger would set in and that hunger would eventually lead to starvation but the starvation proved too much for one of the hunters and it drove him mad and then on one cold bitter night the man he could not take it anymore he had to eat so he took out his axe and he murdered his two companions while they slept and in this moment of desperation he feasted upon the flesh of his fellow hunters however after succumbing to this need to eat human flesh he becomes a terrible hunger driven monster who would then stop at nothing to consume more of what was once his own kind because our hunter is no longer human he has become the wendigo so eventually the storm passes he emerges from the cave and he is able to make his way back to his tribe and his tribe who had thought that he and his hunting party were dead at first doesn't even recognize him his skin was pale and it clinged to his bones his gums receded and his yellowed teeth jutted from his mouth. His eyes were dark and sunken in and he looked as if he were a starved, fragile old man in need of food and care. So his family takes him in and they try to provide him with food. But he can no longer eat the food of man. It is said that the Wendigo suffers and starves because the only food he can consume is human flesh. And in his madness and his unbelievable hunger, he is compelled to feast upon all of his fellow tribesmen until he is left alone to wander and search for more food and it remains in these forests till this very day luring wayward travelers hikers and campers off the trails and hunting them down in a never-ending quest to feed its hunger so be careful the next time you wander into the woods because you might be the wendigo's next meal so what is the Wendigo? Where does the story come from? Why does it exist? As always, let's start where we always start, right at the beginning. So the Wendigo is a mythological creature or evil spirit who originated from the folklore of the Plains and Great Lakes natives. It is said to invoke feelings of insatiable greed and hunger and the desire to cannibalize other humans, as well as the propensity to commit murder in those that fall under its influence. And in some representations, it's described as a giant humanoid with a heart of ice, a foul stench, and a sudden unreasonable chill might precede its approach. Now, the idea that it appears as a giant is actually prevalent in a lot of this folklore surrounding the Wendigo. It's basically the idea that it will grow in proportion to the meal it has. So if it eats a person, it grows in proportion to that person. 
and therefore it remains hungry, which is part of its curse. Therefore, when dingoes are portrayed as simultaneously gluttonous and extremely thin due to starvation, and essentially what it is is a regular person who has been possessed by this malevolent spirit via a curse, that curse being invoked by them breaking the most sacred taboos of either cannibalism or indulging in extreme gluttony and greed. And due to this curse, it is never satisfied after killing or consuming one person and they are constantly searching for new victims. And it's part of one of those morality tales that you see prevalent amongst many human cultures, especially in the Greek, that idea that greed never satisfies. You always lust for more. You could think of King Midas and the famous tale where everything he touched turned to gold. However, that became more of a curse when the people who he loved most were turned to gold through his touch. Or how in Purgatory, Greedy people are made to lay face down in the sand with the weight of their greed pushing them down. The curse of the Wendigo is kind of the same idea. You have committed an act, you have committed a taboo based on a selfish desire, a greed, and now you are being punished for this selfish desire or this greed with this never-ending curse, and it's turned you into a monster. However, Wendigos aren't entirely monstrous. They never lose their essential human power of speech or cognition, and in some depictions may clearly communicate with its prospective victims or even threaten and taunt them. It is said that the Wendigo will sometimes mimic the voices of a person's hiking group or companions or friends in order to lure them off the trails. It is said to even use black magic in order to hunt its victims more efficiently. In some cases, it can change the weather or it can manipulate certain aspects of nature. And the Wendigo, he must continue hunting for the rest of eternity because that is the curse. He is only destined to die when the last human is gone and there is nothing else for him to eat, after which he will finally starve to death. So we've heard the stories, and yes, we can say, yes, these stories are just morality tales, but the descriptions of these creatures suggest that there should be side of these creatures, right? And there are actually sightings of these creatures. They actually go on to this very day, and I'm going to get into a few of those sightings now. So one of the earlier sightings we have actually comes from a 1661 Jesuit relations document, and it quotes, What caused us greater concern was that the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake, namely the men deputed by our conductor to summon the nations to the North Sea and assigning them a rendezvous where they were to await our coming, had met their death in the previous winter in a very strange manner. Those four men were seized with an ailment known to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They were afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease, which affects their imaginations and causes them a more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men like veritable werewolves and devour them voraciously without being able to appease their glut or appetite ever seeking fresh prey and the more greedily the more they eat this ailment attacked our deputies and as death is the sole remedy amongst these simple people for checking such acts of murder they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness now this account is very interesting because it states that the affliction of being a wendigo is simply a form of madness and it's funny because wendigo it actually gives its name to a 
a form of psychosis, which I'll quickly touch on right now. So Wendigo psychosis is essentially a medical condition, a psychological condition that's solely indigenous to this area in northern Canada, and it's essentially what makes a person act as if they are a Wendigo. It makes them cannibalistic, murderous, ravenous, and unable to sustain that feeling of hunger. And while there are a lot of factors which could play into creating this Wendigo psychosis in a human, essentially it comes from living in isolated and harsh environments such as the northern forests of North America. Extreme cold, lack of food and water, and isolation from other people may cause individuals to experience heightened levels of stress and anxiety which could potentially trigger the onset of the psychosis. So essentially if you're starving to death in the middle of winter and you're socially isolated, you can potentially just snap one day and become a Wendigo. And albeit rare, it is believed that this has happened to people throughout history. The previous account being one possible example and this next account being another possible example. So this is a documented case which occurred in 1878 when a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta named Swift Runner suffered one of the worst cases of this psychosis to be seen. So Swift Runner, he was a trader for the Hudson Bay Company. They dealt in furs. Furs that were mostly being sent back to Europe because, you know, high fashion. So Swift Runner, he was married. He was a father of six children. And in 1875, he actually served as a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. So it's said that during the winter of 1878 and 1879, Swift Runner and his family were starving, along with numerous other Cree families in the area. So his eldest son was the first to die of starvation, and Swift Runner ate him. And at some point, he succumbed to the Wendigo psychosis, and he ended up killing the remaining members of his family and eating them. And even though emergency food supplies were available at Hudson Bay's company post, which was only 25 freedom miles away, or about 40 kilometers, he made no attempt to travel to gather that supplies and bring it back, instead opting to eat his own family. Of course, the guilt of this must have consumed him because when he came to some semblance of sanity, he confessed to these murders and was executed by authorities at Fort Saskatchewan. So these two accounts alone show us that Wendigo is a syndrome. It's a symptom of a psychosis, a mental break, which causes you to break one of the most sacred taboos in humanity. You literally don't eat people. And I'm pretty convinced that it could be cases of this syndrome in the past, which may have led to these stories of the Wendigo. You know, it's not unheard of to think that hundreds of years ago, or hell, even thousands of years ago, tribal people in this area could have been encountering a person with the psychosis and coming up with this story and this folklore, which led to these morality tales. And then through folklore, it could add some supernatural attachment to it, which leads to that modern image that we have today of the Wendigo, this emaciated winter monster. Now, while Wendigo psychosis is largely believed to be a psychological disorder, it is hotly debated because it seems that after the early 20th century, cases seem to have fallen off, mostly to do with people interacting more with, I don't know, modern civilization. And simply because modern 
modern cases don't really exist, and they've never really had a chance to study it from a scientific perspective. However, these instances amongst French and English and later Canadian settlers were always kind of written off as a symptom of simple madness, insanity, and a lot of these people who did suffer from this ended up simply being killed. However, the Wendigo, it kind of lives on as a concept or a metaphor. As a concept, it can apply to any person, idea, or movement infected by a corrosive drive towards self-aggrandizing greed or excessive consumption, or it can serve as a metaphor by explaining any pattern of domination by which groups subjugate and dominate or violently destroy and displace, kind of that act of social cannibalism. And the idea of the Wendigo is an expression of a dark aspect of human nature, the drive towards greed, consumption, and the disregard for other life in pursuit of self-aggrandizement. But ultimately, the Wendigo symbolically represents three major concepts, the incarnation of winter, the embodiment of hunger, and the personification of selfishness. Now I know that last little segment got a little more philosophical than what I usually dive into, but essentially that's all there really is to the story of the Wendigo. It's a morality tale of what curses befall those who break social taboos. And unfortunately that's all I really have for this episode. Now I know this was an extremely short episode, but when you look at all the source material involving the Wendigo, it all revolves back into this same idea which could all be summed up in one five-minute story, and yeah, there are variants and little nuances here and there, but essentially it's always the same general idea. However, not to diminish it, it is a fascinating story and a fascinating little glimpse into many of those Algonquin-speaking cultures up around the Northern Great Lakes and Lower Canada and stuff. And if I had more source material that didn't just loop back into me just repeating the same thing 30 times, I'd go on. But once again, the this is Mike. I do thank you for listening. And if you do enjoy this show, all I ask is you do me a solid and just tell a friend. Word of mouth is really the best way to promote this show. That's how it grows and it is all due to you, to be honest. Like I always say, a niche genre like Urban Legends doesn't really peak very high on any charts, at least not here in America. And y'all's word of mouth and generosity is really what keeps this show going. And speaking of generosity, anybody who follows the Instagram page already knows this, but somebody actually donated a new desktop computer. Well, pre-owned. It's from like 2007, but it's running Windows 10, and this is the first episode recorded on this new setup, so I truly thank them for that donation. Also, one more thing. I am on November 11th going to be at Torg. It's this big video game convention here in Columbus, Ohio. So if anybody out there is listening who might enjoy that, that's why I'll be that day. You can come up to me. I'll just be wandering around the convention center talking about my podcast to anybody who will listen and waiting for the Psycho Stick show to start. But as always, I thank you for listening. Click those links. Definitely click that Spotify link in the description for the listener support. That really goes a long way in helping out the show. Next week's episode is going to be the Halloween episode. I've been working on it for an extremely long time and I hope to see you in that one.